Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, always grateful for the best seat in the house to meet incredibly kind and talented people. It's no different today with our two guests. I'll let them do their own introductions. This is Tiffany Roberts-Sahadak, former U.S. World Cup and Olympic champion. And this is Tim Sahadak. And while I didn't win a World Cup or Olympics, we both played at North Carolina and professionally. We now both coach together at UCF and are pleased to share our story with our good friend, Dean Linky on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We talk about our courtship, working together, and the impact the ECNL has made on our team and for both of our daughters who both play in the ECNL. We love the ECNL and know that you do too. So thanks for listening to this week's show. And this week's show starts right after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, and we are joined by a powerful husband and wife team, Tiffany Roberts Sahadik and Tim Sahadik, the head coach and associate head coach for UCF, where they've done an amazing job after doing the same thing at BCU. Both of them are outstanding players as well. Tiffany Roberts Sahadik, one of my all-time favorites, an Olympic gold medalist, a World Cup champion, a two-time NCAA champion, a WUSA champion, and one of the sweetest people we can ever meet. And then Tim Sahadik, who, like Tiffany Roberts Sahadik, also played at North Carolina, where he had a great career. He also was part of the U.S. system, playing on the U18 and U20 national teams. In 1997, he was granted the opportunity to become, at the time, the youngest player ever to play on a major league soccer team when he suited up for the Columbus Crew. He spent two seasons with Columbus before joining the Miami Fusion for three seasons and also served on the reserve squads for FC Dallas and D.C. United. But as I said, now this tandem is amazing, first at VCU and now at UCF. Tiffany Roberts-Sahadik and Tim Sahadik, welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks, Dean. Hey, Dean. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I love kicking it off. And first, I kind of want to just have some fun. You know, look, I don't know if people really know, like, how you guys met. Did you meet at UNC Chapel Hill? Was it in the library? Where was it? How did you guys meet and how did you guys get to know each other? Well, we'll give you the short version. It's a, it, was, it was a long time coming, I feel like. But uh, <laughs> we met our freshman year. I think Tim had a crush on me, but... <laughs> I gave him a hard time for a while. 
but yeah, we met our freshman year, but um, Tim actually ended up having to play, you know, go project 40. So we ended up leaving UNC. So we actually didn't even reconnect until when was that? 2000, 1999. Yeah, 99. Yeah, 1999. So we met in college and we definitely, you know, had some feelings for each other, but we were like, wow. It wasn't time. We, I always tell my college players, it's all about timing. So the first time around for Tim and I didn't work out because he was playing. He left, but we somehow came back together. Now, Tim, for me, I just celebrated my 27th wedding anniversary. And when I met my wife, I knew that she was going to be my wife. I knew it. Did, did you know? I mean, TDR was kind of teasing oh, a little bit man. that you had a crush, but did you know right away that she's the one? You know, and I think it's an embarrassing story because I think the first time I met Tiff was at like a media thing at Carolina where all the freshman athletes were, you know, kind of, you know, taught some media skills, but I was kind of, you know, giving her the eye, but she wasn't really (laughs) interested in talking to me. So so I think I knew a little more than she did at the love at first sight. Now, 99 was obviously a big year. Tiffany roberts Sahedic was such an important part of that 99 World Cup championship team that caught the fancy of everybody, even people that didn't like soccer. So how were you able to, during all of that time and big exposure and White House visits and everything else, how were you able to reconnect that year? How did you make that happen? Well, I think it was fate because I was training in Florida uh, with the national team. And so we were in residency here in Orlando, actually, in um, Sanford, Florida. And Tim and I, you know, that was when like cell phones were just getting popular, you know, so it was hard to stay in touch. But he actually, we somewhat kept in touch uh, over the years. And he said, hey, guess what? I'm getting traded from Columbus to, to Miami Fusion. And so I was like, this is amazing. So I felt like we both got put into, you know, Florida in the beginning of 1999. So it was January of 99. We were both living in Florida and um, it's crazy story, but we had a game like our first game in January was down in Fort Lauderdale Mm -hmm. where he was playing. And so he had just moved there. Our first match was down in Florida. And I remember asking Tony DeChico and, Jay Hoffman, we were like on the bus on the way down to Fort Lauderdale. And I was like, oh man, I really want to see Tim Sahedek. I'm thinking, how am I going to see him? I got to work this out. So I, I like walked slowly up to the front of the bus and I asked Tony Chico if I could basically go on a date with Tim because I hadn't seen him in like two years. <laughs> and um, thankfully, Jay Hoffman yeah. coached Tim Sahedek here. Yeah. So they were like, oh, Timmy, yeah, what a, you know, they loved him. So I was like, okay, good. So they actually let us go out that night and have, yeah. have a dinner. So, um, yeah. and then so that was the history. Yeah, so that was the restart of what was started at Chapel Hill was stopped for a little bit and then the restart. And then now, Tim, as you're sitting there, you're dating Tiffany Roberts-Sahedic and obviously she played with a lot of big stars, but you know soccer. You were a great soccer player yourself. And then you went on to see what she did in that 99 World Cup as somebody that was dating her. What was that like? That had to be amazing. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was amazing. It was, I think, you know, I was in season with the fusion at the time. So I can remember, I can remember actually all of my teammates and, and coaches were really supportive. I can remember a game where, you know, I'm sitting in the locker room watching one of their games on, on TV and it was time to like leave the locker room and go start the warm up. And like, 
I remember them letting me sort of come out at the last minute possible because she was on the field. So I was able to, to watch her play. So um, it, yeah, it was, it was a crazy, crazy time. Tim flew up after the very yeah. first match. I don't know. He like literally left Florida and flew in for like 12 hours. Yeah. For the game in New when York. When we were in New York, yeah. the, after the first match. You didn't even make the match. He came after yeah. the match. This is young love. We're always like, <laughs> oh, young love. We would do anything to see each other for two hours, you yeah. know? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I remember that so much. I respect that uh, as well. So then uh, talk me through how long you guys dated before Tim popped the ring. And tell <laughs> me, TR, how did he do on the ring? Was it, was it super romantic or, it, you know, break it down? Yeah, super romantic. And we thought we would get married earlier. So we got married in 2005. So we started dating in 99, essentially. And then we got married in 2005. And I think we had ideas that we would get married before then because emotionally we were ready, but we just were never in the same place. So with the WUSA starting and then Tim was playing professionally, it was like, we don't want to get married and then not live together. So we wanted to make sure we could be in the same place. So we just, you know, once 2005 hit, we were like, okay, we were finishing our professional careers and we really felt like we could finally uh, be together, you know, live together on a day-to-day -day basis. So, um, but Tim did a great job. He was, he actually asked my parents permission. He went the uh, traditional old route, old school route. My, my mom, my parents aren't even that traditional. So mm -hmm. I think they were caught off guard, but um, that was awesome. And then um, Tim actually has a love for, for cooking and we love wine and, we love Napa. I was actually born in the Sonoma County region. So we have that connection. And so Tim actually took me to Napa for a weekend getaway. And uh, we went to a really amazing restaurant to one of his favorite chefs, actually. But, you know, from him loving cooking so much, I benefit from it because he cooks and then I get to eat it. All this <laughs> yummy That's food, lovely food. Tim, how nervous were you carrying? I remember just being nervous carrying the ring around because I didn't want to lose it and that type of thing. But how, how nervous were you to make sure everything was perfect? Yeah, you know, it's like you're so nervous hoping everything goes right and then everything goes wrong, you know? Uh, I remember when I was <laughs> trying to, you know, get the courage to ask her parents, I had to find a moment when she wasn't around. And the only moment I had I was planning to, you know, kind of ask her parents and tell her, tell them my plans before we left for Napa and then like meet the parents came on TV. So it just made the whole <laughs> situation very awkward. Yeah. And then, I mean, you just got to go with it. I think I was like, I'm running out of time. And the only time I had left was actually in the stands when the next day when she was playing in like a reunion game of some sort. So my high school reunion. So I kind of asked her parents just like off the cuff, like in the stands while we were watching a soccer game. So. <laughs> It's fitting. That's awesome. Yeah. It, and Tiffany, he didn't have any Gaylord Fokker moments with your parents, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> I wouldn't know. I was on the soccer field playing a game, so. Uh, yeah. But oh, my parents love him to yeah. this day. Loved him from the beginning, yeah. so. Thankfully, everything up in Napa kind of went to plan now, so. Yeah. I, I That's awesome. Well, I got to tell you, not not. I don't mean to sound like a sick of fan, but you're both easy to love. We're going to take a break and be back with more Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We'll dive into how they decided to be coaches together. An amazing story. And then a little later on, we'll talk about their daughters who are already playing in the ECNL. This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. 
you can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We're so pleased to be joined by this powerful couple, Tiffany Roberts Sahedic and Tim Sahedic. They lead UCF women's soccer and have continued to roll down at UCF, doing a great job. TR, Tiffany Roberts Sahedic and Tim Sahedic. So you're married now and you've got the coaching bug. I guess, Tim, you also got the coaching bug. I'm assuming you were taking some classes. Talk to me about the Malcolm Gladwell tipping point when you said, you know what? We can coach and we can coach together and it's going to be women because that's a big move. Obviously, after my playing career, it was always a goal of mine to go back to school. So I went back to Carolina to finish my degree, but I was fortunate to have the opportunity to be a volunteer assistant on the men's side. So that was when I first got into coaching and coaching some men's you know, club soccer at the time. But when Tiff was finishing up her playing career, she wanted to get into kind of coaching club as well. And then the opportunity came up that we could coach a, a youth team together. So we coached like an under 14 girls team together. I think that was the first time we actually coached together. And in North Carolina. Yeah, in, in North Carolina. And we just had a blast. So it was like, this is, you know, if I am going to be coaching, I want to do it with someone that I'm, you know, I'm going to have a great time with and that I trust and will make it even more fun than, you know, what I was doing earlier on my own. So. Yeah, we were each other's assistants. Yeah. So Tim ran a team, one age group, I had an age group, and then we were each other's assistants for each team. So we, you know, had that experience with each other coaching, you know, with the, with the young ones. And yeah. then we actually started our own, we moved to California in 05 and um, started coaching club soccer in my old club that I grew up playing for. San Ramon Soccer Club, I think it's called something else mm -hmm. now, but Tim and I started coaching together in that club. And we also started our own camp business. So we started, a, you know, a business together as well and grew that. And we had so much fun working together and, you know, taking on different jobs. So in uh, starting a business. So it was kind of organically, we figured out in creating that business, who's good at what and how we complement each other and starting that business and, and obviously as coaches as well. So just ever since we've been together that we've always done things together. So we were very lucky and we were, we were called literally out of the blue by Virginia Commonwealth University. And this never happened. So we know that we are blessed and we weren't really eyeing like college jobs yet. We were just coaching club. I have told people I've never thought that club was where I felt that's where I thought I would be forever. Um, I felt like there was something else that needed to fill my cup. And when the college, when the AD from VCU called us, they were looking for co-head coaches. And because um, our predecessors were um, Chris and Denise Schulte Brown over at USF. And so they left and we were like, let's try this gig together. Like we couldn't even believe it that they were offering this job. We didn't have past experience as college coaches. So we know that we were Mm -hmm. pretty fortunate just to get that job right out of the gate and uh, it wasn't what we thought our path was going to be but we just jumped and went for it unfortunately we had to leave California but I think it was a blessing in disguise because we 
it's now, what has it been like 15 or 16 yeah. years now doing this together collegiately. So something that kind of fell in our lap, but we took advantage of it and realized it was an amazing opportunity. And this is what we've been loving doing together. So Tim, kind of going back to my question earlier, when did you know, and what did you like the most about coaching girls? I don't know if I had a light bulb moment ever. I didn't really, I mean, I started coaching on the men's side with boys and, and at Carolina with the, with the men's team, but I don't know. I just kind of slid into it. It wasn't like a light bulb went off and I felt like I was doing something that was completely different. Tiffany, when did you see, what did you see in Tim? Obviously you loved him. You were married to him, but what did you see in him that you knew that he could handle coaching young women? I think Tim is just a, a really, he's actually a pretty patient guy and he connects with, with, like girls and women really well. It's weird. He doesn't even have any sisters. Um, so, but you know, the, the players that have played for him all like adore him and, and love him because he's just a, a, a nice guy. Really. It's just at the end of the day, he's just like a nice guy who wants the best for his players. Um, whether they were, you know, club players, the parents always loved them in the club level. It's like the parents were, you know, we would always make jokes. You'd get gifts from the parents when we were club coaches. I'm <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it just, he just has a great connection on, on the girl's side. And I don't know. It yeah. just, it's okay. Well, that, thing. No, that yeah. works for me. Yeah. And he is, he is a nice guy. We all know that about him and, and you're super nice as well. So out of the blue VCU calls. So how long did it take you to process that to say we're doing it? it? Sounds like right away you're like we're doing this, and and then along that, what what was the biggest challenge early on? Because you got to recruit, you got to manage money, you got to manage staff and trainers and and other coaches and and parents and everything, right? Yeah, the the weeks. I mean, it literally was like weeks, right? Yeah. It was like we got we had a call, we were flying into Richmond, you know, a few days later, they took us on a whirlwind tour of you know, Richmond and the university and met with all these people. I mean, we were so clueless. I just, you know, that was our interview, but I don't, we didn't even ask a question. I don't think because we were so clueless as far as the <laughs> opportunity. I mean, it's so embarrassing to say, but I look back, I'm like, God, we were so green. Like we weren't even prepared for that. So I still talk to, you know, a few of the ADs from that time. They're still mm -hmm. very good friends of mine. And I thank them every time I talk to them, I'm like, you guys really just went for it with yeah. us and we totally appreciate it because we were very green. But yeah, within weeks, we were moving. Oh, we didn't have kids yet. So we, we moved to, to Richmond. I, I cried about the opportunity. I was crying after the interview. Tim's like, we don't have to go. And, and I said, well, no, it just, it's in my gut, my heart, that it is something that we should do. Like, even though I don't want to leave California, change all of our life plans. I'm like, we just have to, because this just isn't normal to have this opportunity. So I'm glad that we trusted our instinct. Early on, what did you guys do oh, really yeah. well? And what were some of the things you're like, well, we're, we got to figure this part of it out. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think we, I, I mean, like Tiff mentioned, we had a, we had a bunch of folks that were really not going to let us fail. They knew they took a chance on hiring inexperienced coaches, at least at the college level. I mean, the X's and O's, the soccer part, we knew all that, you know, in the locker room, kind of that stuff. But yeah, like you mentioned, there's so much more to it. The recruiting piece, the managing of budget, scheduling of games, all that stuff. So they were very patient in kind of allowing us to make mistakes and kind of learn, you know, crash and burn and kind of figure it out, you know. So um, we were in an environment where I think we learned, uh, you know, it was a lot of, you know, uh, trial and error. 
Yeah, you just figure out as you go, I guess. And I remember Tim going to his first recruiting event. Like, I had no idea. Like, he went. I don't know why I didn't go. And Tim went, and he was just like, you know, that was crazy. (laughs) There's so many coaches there. It's probably an ECNL, but I don't know. But um, it was just like, yeah, it was eye-opening. We had no idea what we just signed up for, so. (laughs) Now, remind me, so your first year, remind me how your record was and then how many years you were there. And I feel like you guys won some conference titles, right, at VCU? We got close. We got to the championship a couple times, but I don't think we We actually. lost in the championship a few times, yeah. Penalty kicks or overtime, but yeah. I don't remember actual records, but. Our first year was amazing. I think we had, because we had the the timing of taking over the team and losing players who had graduated and some injuries and not having time to bring any additional players in. We had like a roster of like 16 players or something like that. And we actually made it, I think all the way through to the conference final conference tournament final. And we lost to Hofstra, I think, but it was, it was amazing to see what the players did under those circumstances and to really not have many players who could come off the bench. It was, it was sort of an amazing season. Yeah. That's awesome. So how many years at BCU and then tell us about the transition to UCF, how that happened. So we were at BCU for six seasons and, and UCF, called us and we thought obviously that would be an awesome opportunity because our predecessor did such a great job. I mean, Akrama was a friend of ours. You know, we we're like, well, let's let's look at this. Not that we wanted needed to look at it. We wanted it. So we went full force and um, you know, our current AD at the current AD at VCU now is a different guy than um that that hired us. Actually I'm pretty good friends with him now too, Ed um McLaughlin. But um he understood, you know, why we were going to make the move and he was super supportive and, and we just, we went for it too. And we had kids by then. So they were three and five, Layla and Evie. And we just told them we're moving to Disney world guys. <laughs> they were like, Let's go. You know? uh, so uh, the transition was, um, you know, taking over a new program. I think the transition for any coach, you know, that's listening that understands, it's a, it's always hard uh, transition taking over a program, whether they were successful or not successful. In our case, they've been successful, um, but different coaches have different priorities and different coaches have different leadership styles. And so I think if, when you take over a program, they're just used to a certain way. And when you change things up, cause your personality might be a little bit different. It's just takes some time for people to get to know you, you know? And so um, it, it just took some time to kind of implement what our priorities were, whether you're winning or losing, you know, I mean, we were winning, but right as soon as we got there, but we just still needed time to get the culture to where we, we wanted it to be. Not that it was not good then. It was just everyone's so different in their leadership style. So priorities were different and um, it just took some time. So that's, that's always a hard, the transition's always very hard. I love that. I love uh, kids. We're going to Disney World very much. Uh, I feel like when you put the spotlight on both of your lives, uh, it's almost like you guys are Disney World, the way you guys carry <laughs> yourself and you're so kind and you bring so much happiness to everybody else. We're not done with Tiffany Robert Sahadik and Tim Sahadik. They are the head coaches for the UCF women's soccer team. And we'll be back with more on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. 
We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We're here with Tiffany Roberts Sahadik, the head coach at UCF, and Tim Sahadik, her wonderful husband, the associate head coach at UCF Women's Soccer. It's interesting, you were talking about Tiffany Roberts. You know, you didn't have cell phones when you first started dating. We certainly didn't have ECNL back when you were playing, and I feel like it really has changed the landscape. I mean, I feel like ECNL has created this platform to make college soccer incredible. The parody of college soccer is amazing. Back when you were in school, it was North Carolina every year. That's not, it's not that way anymore. Every team has a chance to win. You now have a daughter already playing in ECNL, another daughter getting ready to prep for ECNL. So if both of you can kind of talk about how ECNL and youth soccer has changed the dynamic, particularly for the women's game, that would be great. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the, the biggest things that ECNL provides to players is just a platform for good players to play against each other. You know, just back in our day, it was like you had to play on the regional team or be in a national team camp to have the opportunity to play against the, the best of the best. And now these players get to do that week in and week out competing with their ECNL teams or at showcases. They're playing, you know, the best teams in the country have the opportunity to play against one another. So obviously that's huge for their development and for the development of the game. Yeah, and I think just even like the going to the showcases and watching them, they it's a big deal. Like they feel mm -hmm. like it's a big deal. And I think ECNL does a good job of making the players feel like it's a big deal. This event is big and everything about it with their signage or their social media presence or the gear that they're wearing, the youth love all they, they eat it all up. Right. So it's a, a big event where they're um, having college coaches are there watching them compete every game but then also the atmosphere is a wonderful uh, atmosphere for them to develop and under those circumstances too where you feel the pressure because there's all these coaches and then there's competitive games you know so um, I just think overall the atmosphere is great and that's eventually um, ultimately going to help their development you have such a unique perspective. The majority of your team have players from the ECNL, short of the international players. And now you have a daughter that's playing ECNL, one that's getting ready for it. One of the things, and this is kind of a loaded question, so I'm leading you down the road, but I, you guys always answer honestly, so I think it's okay. 
But one of the things that I've been impressed with the ECNL leadership is they listen. They listen to the coaches. I feel like they listen to the parents. They adjust. They adapt, which in, in this world today, you know, we, we definitely have to do that. But I feel like they were doing that long before that word pivot and adapt were, were, were key words. Can you address that, you know, both as a coach, you know, looking to get these players on your team, but now as a parent that has, you know, one or two daughters playing in the ECNL, can you address the ECNL's ability to listen and, and adapt and, and grow? Yeah, I, I think they've got a tough, tough task. You know, I, I think one of the things that's great about the ECNL is, you know, women's soccer in our country, kids aren't only playing soccer for an avenue to the national team. You know, that's, an avenue to get a college education. You know, we have this, you know, college athletics is in the United States is unlike anywhere in the world. We, our foreign players, their minds are blown when, you know, they, they see what our youth system is and how many players have the opportunity for scholarship or to compete um, and get an education. So I think the ECNL has done a great job, you know, not only trying to cultivate you know, the, the best talent out there for the national team, but providing a platform for so many other opportunities, whether it's, you know, playing college soccer and getting education or just developing leadership skills. They've done a wonderful job with that. Yeah, and I was just thinking about our kids and how uh, fortunate we are that, you know, they're playing and uh, we want them to be involved. And our one daughter is on ECNLR and that's the right fit for her. And um, I know, you know, a lot of players are always trying to get to that top team, but but for her, she loves ECNLR and she's enjoying that level for her. And I think if you're on ECNLR, you still have college opportunities for you to play, you know? So, um, and then the younger one, she's all getting a little nervous because she knows how competitive it is. And she's on the top team, pre-ECNL team right now, but she'll be um, having to try out in May. So, uh, um, so we'll see, but uh, we love having them involved because um, we've, been able to see it before you know we had kids that it's uh, been a great product and a great uh, platform for these kids to develop what have you seen the biggest development in your own daughter just starting out at ecnl how has she grown as a player and as a person in ecnl you know it's just like the competition and the level and i've asked her because soccer is not her only priority she kind of has a lot of she likes a lot of things you know she's into animals and her academics and so I've even asked her, hey, do you want to play rec soccer? Because ECNLR is still very competitive and it's very time consuming. And she was like, no, I don't want to leave, you know, ECNLR. I want to stay on the competitive team. And I think a lot of it has to do with she enjoys being pushed and she enjoys, you know, developing still. And she doesn't want it to be recreational. I think she still likes that idea of getting better every day, even if it's her ultimate goal isn't to play college soccer. You know, I don't know. She's 13. So we'll, we'll find out. But I think that there's just a lot of different aspects about being an ACNL. I think to mention it just about whole team camaraderie part and then also just the leadership skills that you develop and then the competition that you're up against your own teammates every day getting better and then the competition that you play in the showcases or the, the tournaments and the games. I feel like there's never been a better time for women's soccer because of the ECNL at the high level of youth, college, professional, and even the national team. Can you comment on the amazing growth? Obviously, you turn heads in 99, winning that World Cup. There's going to be more World Cups. The USA won the last two. What an incredible time for women's soccer, TR. 
It really is. And the, the growth has been incredible. And I, you know, there's always going to be room for more growth and there's still some way we need to go, you know, but um, it is a place that I feel like, you know, I think about it, you know, daily that I'm, I am proud to see, you know, this growth and to see the opportunities that these young girls have um, to play at the levels that they're able to play at, at such a young age. Um, so, cause I'm thinking about my daughter who's uh, 11, you know, on her pre-ACNL team, like, I wasn't playing that type of competition at that age. Um, so just to see that growth where so many girls are playing, they're all competing. They all have these high level goals, you know, and now they get to see, you know, women's soccer being played on TV more than it was before. I'd still like to see, you know, improvement there. But um, the fact that they could see college games, see it on TV, go to women's, watch the national team is more mainstream now. You know, we weren't able to, I wasn't able to catch U.S. women's national team games on TV when I was younger. So um, the fact that they can have these role models and, and watch them on TV, I think has helped a lot with the growth and the popularity for these young girls. Tim, final comment on the ECNL and what it has meant to, to your program and to also to your daughters. It's just incredible the opportunity that these players have now. Not just my daughters, but I would say the majority of the players that we've recruited to our program, we've seen at ECNL events. They just have so much more exposure. They're able to find the right fit. There's hundreds of coaches at all these games where the right school is, is finding the right player and vice versa um, in terms of recruiting. And that wasn't the case, you know, even 15, 20 years ago, college soccer looked a lot different. So, so the opportunity that the players have is just incredible. So I'm excited to see, you know, where it goes from here. As we close out the show, I want you both to comment. We'll start with Tiffany Roberts-Sahedic. But Tiffany, if you could put into words what it means to work every day with the man that you love, the father of your children, and then Tim, vice versa. TR, put into words what that means. Dean, I mean, it is a dream. I know people are like, I could never do that. But for me, it's a dream. I mean, we like each other. We want to be, we want to hang out together every single day. So we love what we do and the fact that we get to do it together um, makes it even better. So hopefully we can ride this wave as long as possible. <laughs> can you put an exclamation point on that, Tim? I mean, I wake up every day saying like, not feeling like I need to go to work. There's, you know, we're kind of live a soccer lifestyle in our family. So whether you know, we're at work or we're at home. We're just having a good time. Tim, you always have a good time. And I always feel like you have a good sense of humor about the fact that both of you were elite level players. But of course, TR won a World Cup and, and won an Olympics. Uh, I know I, I always rub that in just a little bit. Great. Thanks for reminding the audience that I haven't won a uh, <laughs> World Cup. Yeah, you got to kind of, okay. Dana, have you ever seen those T-shirts that were in uh, the Carolina bookstore back in the day? The The front said... Uh, Carolina soccer where the men are men and then the back said and the women are champions <laughs> that is awesome still living that one down. that is awesome and uh, that does bring a big smile you guys always bring such big smiles to my face it was an honor TR to call your games when you played for the original Carolina Courage at the WSA and Tim you've always been outstanding to be around and and your career was fantastic as well thank you so much to both Tiffany Roberts Sahedic and Tim Sahedic doing great things at UTF so great to see your girls now playing in the ECNL as well and thanks for being on Breaking the Line the ECNL podcast 
is awesome, yeah, Dean. Cool. Thank you for thinking of us. It was fun. Always fun with Tiffany Roberts Sahadik and Tim Sahadik, and always fun with all of you, the members of the ECNL. I want to thank Jacob Bourne and Andrea Wheeler and the great team at the ECNL, our producer Colin Thrash for each and every one of them. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.